and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, coming to you all the way from the Fundamism Newsroom. That's just a, co- a term that I just coined right now in this moment. But essentially, you know the deal. We're showering people with fun, joy, and fulfillment, trying to shed light on all the things that lift us up as opposed to the things that tear us down. And we have an amazing guest for you today. But before we get there, I want to shout out to Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle and all their fine attire creating masks right now for the Kansas City community. Uh, obviously, shirts. Uh, if indeed you're a college fan uh, and you're in the Big 12, they probably got something that fits your taste. Go to charliehustle.com to learn more. So today's guest is fascinating to me, and I literally just met him five minutes ago. And in the five minutes that we began chatting, he captivated me. He had my attention from the jump. Mind you, uh, this was a random reach out uh, via email. Uh, We connected somehow, some way, and here he is on the Fundamism Podcast to discuss local SEO and all things fun, Mr. John Bong, all the way from Canada. What's good, John? Thanks for having me, Paul. I'm excited. This is a lot of fun. I mean, the energy that you bring to this podcast is amazing. It's ecstatic. So I'm excited to be here. For sure. Well, you know what? If you live with me, you might say something different. Uh, my energy, John, is something that I consistently battle uh, in every situation. So I appreciate the compliment. So speaking of energy, we all have things that lift us up, things that we do for fun, things that uh, make us smile. And right now in today's society and all the things that are going on, I think it's imperative that we relish those things and we pay close attention to what it is that, that we do find fun. So you, my friend, what do you do for fun? So at the moment, the last, I would say, six to eight months, I've been really taking care of my health pre-pandemic, right? Um, so I've been reading from veget- uh, you know, veganism to paleo to keto to carnivorism to you name it. I've read probably 50 books in wow. the course of a short period of time to learn as much as I can. And now I'm into Chinese medicine and herbs, wild side. So once I'm very interested in something, I really want to learn the roots of it uh, before I venture on to trying to, you know, uncover more. So that's why I've been really, that's something that I've been doing every couple of hours a day, just reading. I, so I admire that so much because um, reading is something obviously that a lot of folks do that enhances your brain activity, uh, makes you more well-rounded, provides you a little stronger worldview, uh, and ultimately allows you to close opportunity gaps. I myself, based on the compliment that you gave me earlier, John, with my energy, believe it or not, me sitting in a corner reading a book for an extended period of time is a real challenge. So I've been doing some audio books recently and I love like, uh, like, like documentary series things, uh, as well. But nevertheless, uh, what got you into your, your interest in Eastern medicine and and all things health related pre COVID? Uh, so two years ago, uh, I had my first gout attack. Whoa. So gout being, you know, inflammation and high uric acid, me not knowing, you know, I went to the doctors getting a prescription and drugs and they basically said, you take this and if you don't make changes in your diet or 
you'll keep get, getting this reoccurring disease right. and you might have to take drugs for the rest of your life, right? Me being under 40 and already with this kind of disease, I was like, look, I got to take care of myself. And yes, when you're busy as a business owner, you're running around, eating out a lot and taking not really good care of your health sure. and wellness and well-being, right? So now that I'm more at a different stage of my life and I have the time and I look forward to like taking care of not just myself, but the people that I love the most, family, friends, uh, community, and that's what's really important to me today. Well, you know, it's something that I can uh, definitively relate to because uh, in my travels pre-COVID, uh, I, I don't have a lot of uh, pre-cooked meals readily available. Yeah. And so as a result on the road, I eat horrendously, John. So specifically, yeah. like I long for a cheeseburger every moment <laughs> of every day and I indulge. So People always give me grief because uh, I, I work out a lot. Uh, working out is kind of like my fun, one of my vices, yep. but it's not like a physical thing. It's more about the mental release that it provides me, like two hours away from business, away from children, away from all the things that tear me down. Not kids. Kids aren't one of them. Sometimes though. Uh, but ultimately, the gym is my escape. And so when I meet somebody that really understands the importance of taking care of their body, what we bring into it, and obviously uh, what we ingest. I pay close attention because I know that as I grow older, uh, it's not going to be as easy to keep off the LBs. But most importantly, you never know what's going on on the inside, your heart, uh, your cholesterol, all that good stuff. So I love the fact that you identified a problem in your life and you made changes accordingly. Because there's a lot of people, John, as I'm sure you're aware of, that uh, battle heart disease, heart conditions, whatever. Maybe I got somebody close in my life right now uh, that just had a minor heart attack. What well, was brought on by uh, chronic smoking? But yeah. uh, to my to my knowledge, I don't think they've stopped smoking yet. You my you my friend made a, a decision to stop. So uh, and and indulge in some good health. So kudos to you. Now, part of what got me fascinated in your story five minutes into our conversation on Zoom. As we were talking a little bit, you asked me where I was from, and I said middle middle of the middle of the states. Although you know, I'm not overly proud to say I'm from America these days. And you, my friend, live in Canada, Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. Is that yes? That's right. Now, those of you that uh, can't see John's backdrop, he is he actually has uh, a photo of the shot by Kawhi Leonard behind him. You're a big Toronto Raptors fan. How did that come to be? So uh, since I was able to have a full-time job and support myself living on my own, I've always wanted, and I was always a big fan of basketball. Uh, my first opportunity was when they finally arrived with an NBA team and I followed the Raptors from Damon Stoudemire years to yes. Trace Carter, McGrady. Tracy McGrady, yes. um, Chris Bosh, you name it. Yes. I've always, I've actually been a season ticket holder for over 15 years. So I've been loyal to them. I've been going hardcore to these games. And last year was epic. I went and didn't miss a single game, uh, especially during that playoff run. And just to opportunity to witness um, something that's memorable that may never happen again in my lifetime. <laughs> so you have to embrace it and take things in and just relish on it, right? And so for me, it was all about enjoying the moment. 
I love it. So uh, from Kansas, uh, we have a baseball team, Kansas City Royals, uh, football team, yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Royals have historically been a terrible baseball team uh, dating back all the way to the 80s. And so 2014, we made the World Series. That's kind of, I liken it to your experience as a Toronto Raptors fan, although you guys were a lot more competitive uh, in the years of, of VC and, and Tracy McGrady yeah. and Chris Bosch and all that stuff. But man, I, I don't know that anybody would have seen that coming. Uh, were, were you optimistic when you guys got into the playoffs? What was your, where was your uh, head at? Well, I knew it was either this year or no year, right? <laughs> because we had one person and that's what NBA is about, right? Like you have to have a superstar because during crunch time, within 30 seconds, you either make it or break it, especially during watching The Last Dance, right? The yeah. Michael Jordan series of, you know, him being that assassin, that guy that will clutch moments you need that ball, right? Well, we right. had someone like that, like a LeBron or, you know, Kobe, right? Like instinct wise. So we, we had that. We like, we had to ride it and it was a, a great ride for sure. Um, so everything that, you, so you commented on my energy and uh, I, I don't know you very well, you know, we're getting to know each other. And one thing that shines through in the short time that we spent together is your genuine nature and your authentic uh, willingness to to just engage and be interested in other people. Is that something, John, that you've always had or is that uh, something that you've grown over time in terms of skill set? Ultimately, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I just am interested in people. Like my upbringing, um, maybe I'll, I'll go back a little bit. Sure. But a lot of people, the listeners might not know me, but it's all about like, Arriving in Canada as a new immigrant, I was born here in Canada, but my parents left the Vietnam War. I'm the fourth child of an immigrant family, and we didn't have anything growing up, right? Um, we didn't have much money. My parents didn't speak English. They came from Vietnam, right? So that was their first language. So they sacrificed a whole life livelihood of savings, running a business to get out of the country, selling every, all, all the assets they have for gold, to leave and arriving in Canada, yes, we visited the shelters a lot. We visited secondhand stores. Um, I started working as a newspaper boy, um, not for the uh, you know business side of things, but out of necessity to support my family. Right? right? Like it was all about just taking care of what I had to take care of and do what I had to do. So um, I understood my parents sacrificed everything, and I needed to eventually pay it back. Right. Like take care of them, take care of my family, take care of the people that are most important to me in my life. So the Vietnam War, obviously just a terrible scar on uh, two different nations, obviously, and how it was handled and what ultimately came as a result of it. Um, I can only imagine leaving Vietnam and coming to, the, to, to Canada, what was that process like? I mean, have you ever talked to your parents about the, the struggle getting out, what that was like and, and what it did to them mentally? Yeah, definitely. So actually, I was very fortunate. Um, last year, I went back to Vietnam with my mom and she's in her 70s and right. It was more of a company trip for myself, and I took the team on it. Um, but I also brought my brother and my mom. And um, my mom, 
you know, for her, she just remembers about like the shellings, right? Like the bombs, just bombardment and just living through it for years, right? Right. Um, And that's why she never wanted me to embrace it, I think. She was scared that I would be scared. But for me, it was great to actually see it firsthand, see what they had to go through and really understand, um, you know, the impact that it had on her emotionally as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and mentally. So coming to a new country and surviving and fighting it through, it was all about just next generation, which are the four kids, right? For sure. And making sure that they are all uh, set up for success or taking care of their family and having and thriving, right? And embracing that whole community. Um, so it was a lot of fun. I learned a ton. I got to meet some relatives I didn't even know existed. Um, but just understand, like we, we did a lot of tours, like, you know, a lot of like the army kind of veteran, the, the canal of which the bombings happened and all sure. that stuff. So she didn't really like that. But it, for me, it was really, I wanted to see what really was going on. Well, kudos to you for, first of all, taking your team out there. What a, what a magnificent opportunity for them. But I got to imagine for your mother to be able to experience something like that with her son uh, meant the world to her. So when you guys moved to, I know you, albeit at a very, very young age with your three siblings. So you're the baby, is that accurate? Yes, that's right. Nice. Uh, I'm, I'm understanding a little bit more about you as we progress. <laughs> so, uh, so what did your parents ultimately do for revenue, for work? How did they make ends meet when they got to Canada? Um, so my dad had a bike shop in Vietnam, um, like motorcycle, um, and came here and kind of worked a lot of under the table kind of jobs, right? For cash um, to survive, scrape by. So um, we were, they were doing cash kind of gigs, right? Just to survive. And I'm sure a lot of people coming from different countries um, aren't doing what, you know, you, you try to educate yourself and get a degree, but it's very hard to get a real job, right? So yes, you get paid a lot less, but you're getting paid at least. And sure. it's all for survival. It's not to really do anything outside of that, right? Take care of your family, have food and have shelter, right? And that's ultimately what we had to do. Um, and eventually, I got all my you know, siblings were able to you know, move out, have good education, have good jobs, have families of our own. But it's, it's the evolution of life, right? Yes, absolutely. And in the evolution, your entrepreneurial spirit started at a very young age, which I want to talk about. Uh, but not before I uh, express a, a little humility in my ignorance um, and kind of segue into a discussion that we had offline. So, uh, you know, I'd mentioned uh, the, the Vietnam War being a scar in both countries, you know, for obvious reasons and that there was just terrible memories. But, you know, um, I, I don't know much about the Vietnam War. Uh, obviously, I wasn't around then, so I'm extremely ignorant to uh, everything that happened. But one thing that I do know is that we, uh, as Americans, we tend to insert our, ourselves in a lot of things, right? We try to uh, established dominance. We tried to express our opinions. Uh, you know, and I'm not painting everybody with a broad brush. Uh, obviously, we understand that, that there are people with phenomenal hearts, but, but we have a reputation for inserting ourselves. And so when I said I'm not overly proud to be an American right now, it was really, it boils down to the way that we've handled the pandemic and 
a lot of the foreign relations things going on and the inability for us at, uh, at a senior leadership level to connect with other countries and their leadership. And you had just a phenomenal response uh, to, to your take on all of that as uh, a Canadian resident, uh, something to the extent of we're all accepted. So could you walk us through a little bit about your take on uh, the current state of affairs and, and your, your mentality as it relates to connection? Yeah, and I feel like I'm very fortunate to be living here in Canada and not only in Canada, but uh, a Western society, right? Uh, Where there are going to be people that judge. There's a lot of people that, um, you know, senior level people in government or in any organization, they have their views, right? But it doesn't mean every individual within the government follows the same sort of views, right? Um, So just as an individual, you might have your own different mindset or, you know, ideas and values, right? So I feel like living in Canada, um, we have the best of all worlds because we're multicultural. Um, I feel like um, large cities in general typically are more encompassing different nationalities, different um, cultures, different ethnicities, different races. And for us, that's the best part of globalism and worldism, right? Where you feel like everyone's the same color. It doesn't matter. Um, Everyone has a heart. Everyone eats and shelters in the same community and shops are the same thing, right? Like, yes, you might have a different religion. You might follow this, 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 but you still are humans, right? And that's what Canadians or large metropolitan areas, we feel like I... I'm lucky in that sense, but I'm sure a lot of Americans are the same, right? Um, it's, it's pigeonholed as a country, but I know there's still probably majority or even more than half of the people are like myself, right? Like we understand it's just what's out there in the media is portrayed a different side of things, right? 100%. Great point. And uh, just kind of circling back, so every Fundamism podcast listener hears... I am proud, as John is, to be uh, in a Western culture. I am proud to be an American. I'm proud to be able to say that our children have uh, a great education system and a family that loves them. And for the most part, to John's point, uh, we, have, we have a great community, uh, specifically in Kansas and Kansas City and KC Mo. The community is very strong and kind-hearted. And I myself, John, uh, you might relate to this quote, but just like the great Jackie Moon said, uh, I subscribe to the mantra, everybody love everybody from Semi-Pro and Will Ferrell. So I think that uh, what connects uh, with me personally is when individuals do set aside bigotry and set aside their belief systems and their opinions and their political affiliations and just realize at the root of everything, what you said, John, we're all human beings. We're all just trying to make it through and thrive in this space. And typically we do so a whole lot better when we find a way to connect with others. So that leads us to you, my friend, and connecting with us on the Fundamism Podcast. Your entrepreneurial spirit started at a very young age when you were almost forced to help create revenue for your family uh, coming over from Vietnam as a newspaper delivery boy. Uh, where did your career go from there? I've had a lot of jobs, to say the <laughs> least. Um, but it was mainly to see what I enjoyed, right? Um, I, you know, growing up, I took a lot of odd jobs I, from 
working in McDonald's and fryer to cashier to waiter to uh, laborers to factory worker, lawn care, you name it, to more professional work. Um, but I eventually uh, got into sales and marketing. Um, and coming out of uh, accounting business background, I really didn't like sitting in the office mm-hmm. um, nine to five and just looking at a computer, crunching numbers, right? So for me, my first uh, career job was really the sales outbound marketing, um, but more advertising sales. So um, before I started the company, so I started this agency called Local SEO Search uh, back in 2013. But prior to that, I worked in um, traditional media, where my lar- longest stint was working at Yellow Pages. And I was there for five years. And not only did I work in the online space before that, like affiliate online performance marketing, but then I ventured into Yellow Pages, was, which was great in terms of a learning curve and understanding how corporations uh, run. And how I was fortunate because I was able to work with a lot of small, medium-sized businesses. And at that time, I worked with thousands of them uh, on a more relationship basis and frontline. So I got to really get to know them and ask the right questions and gravitate towards, um, you know, just getting to really care about these local business owners and what it means to support local. Yes. So uh, I want to talk about your sales and marketing journey. A lot of things to unpack here in terms of what has led you down the path that you're currently on and local SEO search. Uh, Before we get to all the greatness, uh, without calling out the actual name of the organization, what was the worst job you ever had? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, I, I like it all depends on what you like and what you don't like but 100% I really dis- perspective. I didn't like the factory kind of work environment sure. where I would be doing something repetitive for 10 hours mundane packing just bottles in a box yes. um, the only reason I did it was because it paid well and um, I was a student at the time and no one else was getting paid as much as I was at that age. So I just did it so that I can afford to live on residence and go to university. So I had a purpose, right? Like I had a goal in mind, finish it. So I had money to pay for my education. So there, there's so many reasons why I asked that question. So first of all, I think that we could look back at some of the jobs that we had uh, and first of all, we learn from great experiences and we learn from terrible experiences. So sometimes there's some amazing stories when you ask the question, what's the worst job that you ever had? But what's amazing to me in the answer that you gave, there's a lot of folks that haven't been able to make that transition where you said specifically, I got paid really, really well to do a job that I didn't love. Yeah. And you made the decision at which point after you accomplished your goal to fund uh, going to the university and all that jazz or university, uh, ultimately it got you to the place that you wanted to be so you could find your true passion. Whereas a lot of people make excuses, and I was one of them, John, in saying, well, I can't leave this organization now. Uh, my, my 401- I'm vested now. I'm yeah. 75% vested. I got to get 100% vested. Or I'm making too much money. How did you make that that mental shift or did you even have to to let go of something that you know was was secure or provided security to ultimately find your true passion? 
So money doesn't drive happiness. Um, sooner or later, you realize that. And you want to find something that is a good mix. And it depends on where you're at in your life, right? When you're single, you have all the time in the world and you have the, all the luxuries of freedom to do anything, travel anywhere and work anywhere, right? But when things come up, like you start a family, you have a relationship, when things like you're settling down and you have responsibilities like a mortgage and you have people to support and you got to take care of others, that's when you start buckling down to figure out and have plans in terms of like goals and what's your vision and your purpose in life, right? But when you're unclear about that, and I think people in their 20s don't really understand and have a lot of experience, right? But when you mature and you start settling down and you see other people settling down in your circle of influence, right? Family, friends, um, they start having families and kids and you see them happy and you want to be like that, right? That's where you kind of want to embrace it and see what it's all about, right? Curiosity. Um, So I was able to do a lot of that from getting to know a lot of business owners, getting to know a lot of friends and family in my circle of influence that allowed me to make my own kind of decisions over the course of the years. So I'm coming up on 39 here in uh, a couple of weeks, John. And I'm, I'm wondering, is that the magic number where all of a sudden this maturity that you referenced <laughs> finds me? Because I don't, I'm sitting here in a uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, Ultimate Warrior throwback WrestleMania four shirt uh, and just wondering what maturity looks like for me. <laughs> it, it all depends, right? Everyone is different. Um, I'm 39 myself. Nice. And I feel like the time where I had more responsibility. So the time I got married, is when things kind of changed in my life where I actually, that's when I started my company. Actually, I got married, but I didn't have a a job. Like I quit my full-time gig and I took on that risk of a mortgage marriage as well as a a job. So everything kind of happened at that time and I had to make it happen, make it work. Just a, just a, just a level set. So you got married. Yes. You uh, bought a house and you started a new business venture all at the same time. Yeah. So I either do it or you don't, right? And I don't settle. So I don't like just, you know, coasting, right? Yeah. Yes. I had a decent job and I could have kept doing what I was doing, but it was miserable, right? Like people are just not happy working at where I was working. Um, and the reason I left was I knew there was opportunity because my clients were telling me that, the returns, my advertising spend was not the same return on investment that I used to have. Like traditional media never performed as well as now modern media or digital media, right? So that's where I pivoted and started something because there was a demand and need. So if my math is right, you either have just celebrated or will be celebrating this year a seven-year wedding anniversary? Is that... Yeah, so I uh, it will be eight because in 2012 I got married and uh, yeah. Well, so now now we're really in into the meat of what you're doing and how you're establishing value for for yourself, your family, and your clients, uh, leveraging your sales and marketing prowess and experience in showcasing uh, or at least allowing people to see or be exposed to uh, one's business. So. What I love about what you said earlier is um, 
in your, in your sales journey, you put a lot of emphasis on relationships and uh, asking the right questions is what you said, which is something that a lot of people, John, don't do, or at least we're not very deliberate in how we do it. So there's, it's one thing, obviously, to ask the right questions. It's another thing to actually care genuinely about the responses. Yeah. And then it's a completely uh, different thing to be able to leverage that response and provide somebody with a solution that solves for a problem that they, they said out loud. And so that is like, for me, the, the magical sauce of sales. Now, to be able to do that, to be able to have this engagement that you and I are having right now, to be able to connect personally and ask the right questions and form a strong relationship, people have to be exposed to my business. Enter local SEO search. So talk to us a little bit about how you help businesses uh, become a little more relevant in space. Yeah, so I started this because uh, Yellow Pages was not providing good results. And as you know, uh, search engines have kind of been the place, focal point of how businesses want to be known and be a part of, right? So um, providing more of a digital presence and awareness. So what I always perceive for business owners is um, traditionally before the internet and computers existed, how did fundamentally you you thrive as a business owner. You must have ran a really good solid business by taking care of your clients, understanding the value prop, unique selling proposition, your product and service, and understand your competitors, price point, service level, all these things. So run a good business. But if you don't know how to run a business, good business, you cannot transform it and have a digital presence to replace what you don't know in terms of running a good business. That will not, not take care of the business, even if we rank you really well. So I always say start understanding who you want to be, who your ideal customers are, what your products and services are, then I can help you. Mm. Amplify that message. Make sure that you become more visible so that you can cater towards more of the ideal customers that you want to attract in your business. And once we understand and uncover that, then that's where a successful SEO campaign can elevate you and position you as that thought leader. So John, this is a, a fascinating topic. And this is where I really want to hopefully provide the Fundamism Podcast listeners some real takeaways, some things that they can do. So Specifically, one thing that fascinates me is this concept of, of understanding who you are as a business or what your organization stands for, your value proposition, yeah. if you will, uh, and who you want your clients or your customers to be. How often do you work with customers or clients and in the initial discussion, they're not really prepared to answer that question intelligently? Yeah. So if you're early stages as an entrepreneur, you probably don't know who your ideal customer is because you haven't gone through it and you don't know, um, you know, you haven't had bad customers and you ha haven't got customers in general, right? right? But once you start getting 10, 15, 20 plus customers, and then you could filter through those one or two or three nuggets of those gold mine clients of yours, right? Those are the people that you want to attract more of. That's when an SEO company can really help you refine your message, your visibility, your content, your media strategy, your digital footprint and presence to try to get more of those nuggets. 
Well, so I'm going to make this as relevant as possible and get super selfish here, John, uh, because the universe has provided me uh, a sounding board and somebody that could potentially help me along my path. So uh, for me, this is a constant struggle. People always ask me, who's my ideal client? Who's my, who's my target audience, my niche, if you will. And yes. so a little bit of background, I'm a keynote speaker. So I work with organizations and I, I uh, typically identify organizations that value employee engagement and they want to reduce attrition and create a memorable experience at a sales kickoff or leadership conference, whatever it may be. But yep. that's, if, if, if the client is the organization, what I don't want to miss out on is the individual. And so specifically what I mean by that, something that I've always struggled with, John, is uh, I don't want to just market to organizations because if my organization, or let's use you, if your organization uh, didn't invest in bringing in a keynote speaker or a consultant or a leadership coach or whatever it may be, in my mind, I'm like, well, what about John? If somebody's not investing, if his organization isn't investing in his development, he just doesn't get exposed to that. And so I struggle. So one of my constant battles internally and externally is trying to identify who my target audience is and where to throw my content towards. I feel like I've, I've found that healthy balance because obviously individuals make up uh, an organization, but in, in figuring out who your target client is, how does one truly answer that question? Like what guidance would you provide me to say, Paul, to identify your target customer, your target niche, these are the things you should do. What advice would you give me? So get dirty. Yeah. Um, really, really get, um, you know, running a business, which takes time and a lot of work and a lot of failure and a lot of mistakes. Um, and it, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in months or maybe even in years because traditionally, it was generational businesses that succeeded, right? Sure. Decades and decades of hard work, right? But today with technology, you shrink time because you can reach so much more and you have the ability to shrink time and speed up the process, right? Work more efficiently, get in front of more people. So with all this new technology, you need to just use it to the best advantage you can, right? So understanding what is out there, understanding messaging, content strategies, and really maybe it means a lot of A-B testing, a lot of putting money in ads and surveys. And really, once you start getting some clients or feedback, right? What I need you to understand is once you start getting real customers, which is revenue, and then you get feedback from them of what they like and what they don't like, that's when you can refine in terms of, I know what my strategy is, go to market. But mm -hmm. without that, it's very difficult to even run a successful digital marketing campaign, right? Because you're not, you haven't been in it long enough. You're not an expert yet, right? How do you position or how do I help you position yourself as an expert when you're not even clear <laughs> as to what you are in the first place? Great point. Absolutely great point. So I'm struggling right now. Every now and again, I'll be in the midst of, a, uh, of an interview and naturally, organically, the title of the podcast will come out. Uh, obviously, I think this one is local SEO, uh, but Get Dirty is, I mean, that's magnificent. Get Dirty is a podcast title in and of itself. 
So, all right, John, let's say hypothetically, I've identified my value prop. I understand what differentiates my organization from others. I've educated myself and gotten dirty in the metrics and performance analytics and understanding uh, what I do and why customers want to work with me and who my ideal client is. Now, how does local SEO work with me? And in a layman's term, what is SEO? So like educate me like I'm an absolute idiot because that's basically who you're talking to right now in me. Yeah, so SEO is search engine optimization, and it's what um, people see when they type in keywords on Google. Usually, it's the first page ranking, and usually right at the top is ads, where any individual or business can spend money to get in front at the top of the search engine. However, where you want to appear is on the map and below the map right? Where majority of the traffic still occurs. And as a user, um, as a, you know, me and you, we typically will avoid those ads and go right below the ads, knowing that people are paying to be there, right? So as a business owner um, or as an individual, you want to be in control of your entire search behavior. And this is, again, I always go back to yellow pages and traditional, but Think about that. Like Google just is fairly new, 10, 15 years of infancy, right? But before, how did business owners survive? They focused on referrals, word of mouth kind of business, community, right? Traditional media, like giving out business cards and all that stuff, right? But now it's amplified with technology, right? So if you know there's people searching, how do you get in front of more of those people, but how does Google even recognize you as someone that's relevant enough to be on the first page? So with search engine optimization, it's about positioning your your business as the thought leader, authoritative figure or expert in that niche in the marketplace so that people who are searching for keywords and your service or products will eventually see you as one of the thought leaders. Yes. So every now and again, so let's take, for example, um, the fundamentalism concept. Now, it wasn't necessarily brilliant marketing at the time because I didn't, it's just a word that I created, right? Fun, uh, fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle, just combined all those words and and got fundamentalism. And so, of course, John, uh, those of you that are listening, the Fundamism Podcast listeners, you understand, you've probably heard this before, but people always mispronounce it or, are you that fundamentalist? And I'm like, no, I'm not that. (laughs) Uh, But if indeed you're able to spell it right and you understand the concept, from an SEO perspective, I'm the first thing that comes up with fundamentalism, probably the only thing that comes up, right? In addition to that, just based on sheer volume of content, if you search Paul J. Long or Paul Long speaker, I'm a lot of what comes up as well. Now, if indeed you're unaware of me and that referral network, or you haven't been exposed to the things that you were talking about earlier, John, if you search like fun speaker or anything like that, I'm probably nowhere even near the top. How do I work through that? And how do you work with your clients to ensure that happens? Yeah. So once you distinguish what are the services or products that you want to be known for as a business in general, and you know, that's what you want to position yourself as, then that's where the digital strategy comes in, right? Building a website that is focused on 
what you want to be known as. Because Google, what they're trying to do is serve up websites that best matches that search query. And it's all based on the user's behavior. Because you searching versus me searching will come up with different results. But if you are positioned as that leader, that person that is, you know, Wikipedia, someone that, you know, is the expert, well, that's where you become more of a dominant player, right? And that's what we position a lot of these local business owners as, um, you know, the dentists and the lawyers and the physiotherapists. It's hyper competitive. But how do you, you know, steer away from the clutter and differentiate yourself? You're different. You, every individual, every business owner is different. They have different values. They have different story and journey. They have different information that they can serve up, right? So once you understand that uniqueness of you, that's where we can then help you become that, that more of an authoritative figure. What a perfect segue into uh, the next question. So you actually, do you have a podcast yourself? Yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> I could tell because the way that you navigate in and out of points uh, is pretty, pretty uh, magnificent and deliberate. I could tell. So, uh, so you said that everybody's different in a highly competitive market. You know, dentistry, uh, you know, therapy, whatever it may be. Everybody's competing for a similar client base. Uh, you and I both know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of organizations out there, marketing organizations that help with search engine optimization. What is local SEOs uh, local SEO searches value prop? What makes you guys different in the space? So we're really, I feel it all starts at the top. So for me, I am it's a flat organization, but everyone follows the same sort of core values, which is family first, and we take care of our family, which is our clients, our staff, and every vendor is like a family member, right? And that's what local community is all about, right? Um, so that's what we really focus on, a lifetime kind of relationship basis where family is the hardest, you know, the tightest knit, and we are an extension to their business. We are not a vendor. We are not a supplier, we are like a part of their business. Um, so that's what differentiates us. Um, and there's a lot of agencies out there for sure, right? And that's fine. Uh, I love competition, right? And I love how you can navigate and set yourself differently and set yourself apart. But um, for us, we understand what we, our values are, right? And that's what differentiates us. Well, and I think to that point, I just had this conversation recently, John, with a, a close personal friend of mine. And so the speaking industry is highly competitive. Uh, SEO, uh, dentistry, all the things that you mentioned earlier, all of these things, marketing agencies, very highly competitive, right? And you said, I love competition. And there's folks that actually do embrace that. I had this epiphany moment recently that um, going back to things that you put a lot of stock in earlier, John, when you talked about the power of relationships and asking the right questions, I feel like the true competition uh, in differentiating ourselves and our organization and our value proposition is us. And what I mean by that is I am so confident in my ability to connect with others, as are you. I could tell by the way that you carry yourself and I could tell by the genuine nature of the way that you conversate that uh, we are so present with other people that 
I would give anybody my client list and say, have at it. Like, go get them, Tiger. Because uh, ultimately, if they want to go work with you or, first of all, no one wants to hire the same speaker every single year for 10 years straight. Uh, we want to spice it up. We want to do something different. Now, we always got, I always got different content, but nevertheless, believe it or not, as you're aware, John, my style doesn't resonate with everybody. So maybe just maybe it makes sense to bring in an SEO expert or a social media expert or whatever it may be. But I would put our ability, including you in this conversation and others that put stock in relationships and asking the right questions up against any other competitor in the world, so long as we are present in showing a genuine interest in others and really maximizing the client experience. So kudos to you for recognizing your value proposition. Uh, If indeed we wanted to leave folks with a very real tactical thing to maximize their digital presence today. Outside of um, understanding who your organization is and who your target clients are, if we feel comfortable in that space, John, that we have that question answer, what's something that the Fundamism Podcast listeners and entrepreneurs can do right now uh, to to ultimately improve their digital presence? So understanding where your ideal customers is consuming content is so pivotal because there's so many different platforms. Is it written format? Is it blog, you know, images? Is it audio? Is it video? Um, Infographs? Um, And then which platform further? Like, is it search or is it on YouTube? Is it on podcasts? Is it on Pinterest or Instagram, Facebook? Understanding the medium of choice, right? Because people get so caught up with doing everything and they don't do anything really well, right? The e-myth, right. Absolutely. (laughs) So I focus on search. I focus on helping service-based, service, small, medium-sized business owners, family-run typically. And I have a very hyper-focused niche and that's okay because if they know what I'm all about, there's enough business to be had right? You don't need to do everything very well. You just need to know what you do very well and focus on it and people will know what you do and they'll come to you. Sure. Well, uh, for somebody like me, navigating the details is a real struggle, John. And I see where um, you and your organization could really offer a lot of value to individuals like me that get lost in those numbers and that data. Because I have no I know that when I start really digging into the details of where people are coming from and how they got there and what they're consuming, uh, I get lost and I get frustrated. I I am energized, to use uh, a compliment that you gave me earlier, on just going out and talking about and talking with people about things that they're passionate about. And so if I'm behind the scenes and I'm digging into data, this energy is lost. So I think that's another obvious uh, differentiator for an individual in an organization like yours. Talk to me a little bit about, as we start to segue into our close, we got a really strong tactical solution. So again, uh, identify your value prop, who you are, what you do uh, in terms of a, a differentiator in the marketplace and who your target audience is. And then of that target audience who's consuming content, how are they consuming content? So really dig in. Are they digging in uh, to the blogs that you're writing, to the YouTube content, to the, to the IG photos, whatever it may be, identify where they're coming. Talk to us a little bit about your podcast. What's that all about? What's the purpose? Yeah, so I started this podcast over two years ago. Um, the 
the reason for that was myself and my VP of sales, we have probably worked with over 10,000 local business owners. And um, at that time, it was more about we have tons of experience and we want to share that knowledge. So we have a lot of tips and a lot of information that we um, just talk about and educate people and kind of just give. Um, And this is the world podcasting, right? The the barriers to entry is so low. Anyone can really do it. And hopefully you're giving value. The more you give the more you're going to get in return. So that's what I felt um, I wanted to do. And I, I started this two years ago and it's a lot of fun. I'm able to meet a lot of genuine business owners and podcasters themselves and um, people that I would never be able to meet on a more intimate or personal level in based on geographic uh, location, right? Right. So all these things is all about just giving. And once you're able to connect with people, um, and like you mentioned, like SEO is cluttered. And once you realize where your strengths are, which is if you enjoy getting in front and doing the work, let other people who are strong at other aspects of business take care of it, right? If you're not strong in bookkeeping, accounting, or sales and marketing, or digital aspects, or whatever it is, hire people, pay them you know, what they're deserving, but that will free up your time, relieve some stress and focus on what your strengths are, right? Which is all the other aspects so that you can focus on scaling, growing your business. I, you know, one of the things that you just said um, is something that I struggle with regularly and I've started to move past it a little bit, but I know our listeners can relate. So you mentioned that there's a lot of things that we, and if we're strong in one particular area, um, we start to throw our energy uh, at other things that are going to help grow our business. Things that we're not necessarily good at, i.e. bookkeeping or marketing or you know whatever it may be. And as a result, um, you have to find somebody that is good in that skill to maximize your expertise elsewhere. Now, the, the misnomer is well, I can't afford it. You know, I, wh- how, what does that investment look like? Uh, in my experience, John, and I would love to hear you expand upon this, by investing a little bit in uh, individuals that have a very niche expertise in an area where you don't, the return, so long as you select the right party to work with, far outweighs the cost. Has that been your experience in life as well? Always. I think the sooner you realize where you want to go and the sooner you source out aspects of the business that you're weak at, like whatever you're strong at and you enjoy passionately and you don't get stressed over, focus on, right? But if you really hate sales or you hate writing content or you hate you know, the bookkeeping aspect, hire people. And it doesn't have to be full-time. It could be part-time. Give them a try. Um, People that are same sort of value prop of yourselves, like core value-wise, and really let them, because they're not going to have the same passion as yourself as a business owner. I get it. But when you're trying to, you know, you have a hat in everything, you're touching everything. You're never going to do everything as good as someone that's specialized in a certain part, right? So once you realize and let go and give them more responsibility, you're able to free up time, free up stress and do things that you enjoy way better so that you can focus on that. I agree. John Vong, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so thankful 
that your team reached out uh, to connect us and had this opportunity. The universe always works in mysterious ways. Uh, we've learned a ton. I would say that of all the Fundamism podcasts uh, that we've ever had, this was the most niche educational uh, we've talked about leadership, we've talked about journeys, we've talked about fun, but we've never talked about something so specific as it relates to moving your business forward uh, from a digital presence perspective. So I appreciate you offering up your expertise if indeed you've created intrigue for just one Fundamism podcast listener uh, who uh, wants to know a little bit more, where do they go to either ingest your podcasts or learn more about local SEO search? Yeah, so uh, our podcast is called Local SEO Today. Um, and then our website, localseosearch.ca, um, you can check it out. And you can actually connect with me on a more personal level if you have any questions. Uh, I'm always trying to uh, give, right? Which means if you are struggling and you need some assistance, I mentor a lot. I try to do good. And we're all in this journey together, right? This is a world where we all live on and we have to take care of our, each other, right? So if you do want to connect with me um, on the team page of Local SEO Search, you'll find my LinkedIn and just reach out to me and we'll connect. Well, John, I could tell you that uh, the last podcast I did with, was with a young lady by the name of Kimberly A. Firewalker. She was a former AT&T executive. And she talked about this concept of vibrational alignment. And so every time I hear about you talking about giving or putting yourself out there, or helping others, uh, it makes me even more interested in learning more about you, my friends. So LinkedIn invite coming from me. And uh, <laughs> I hope to uh, keep the lines of communication open. And who knows, uh, we might be reaching out to you to uh, figure out a little bit more about how to move fundamism forward in the digital space. So from the bottom of my heart, I would like to say thank you very much, John Bong. Any parting words of wisdom not to put you on the, sh on the spot? Um, had a lot of fun, Paul. Uh, I mean, for all the listeners, uh, hopefully you got some information there. It's all about have, enjoying this whole journey, right? Life is not a race. It's a process and it takes time for you to be successful, right? So don't expect miracles to happen. Entrepreneurship takes time. Life is a long journey. So just enjoy it. Enjoy it. And as a 15-year season ticket holder, I gave you the prime platform to say, Go Raptors! <laughs> Go Raptors! <laughs> awesome. Uh, John, Thanks a lot, it was a Paul. pleasure. Thank you very much. To the Fundamism Podcast listener, we couldn't do this without you. We greatly appreciate your support. Uh, I don't do a great job of telling you where we are in terms of uh, downloads and all that stuff because it really doesn't matter to me. But I can tell you that our message is getting out there. You guys are helping us continuously entering and uh, exiting the top 200 in downloads from a uh, business perspective on Apple iTunes. So without your support, we'd be nothing. So go out, create some fun today in your life. And like John said, uh, give to others. Try to create some fun in the lives of others. And until we meet again, deuces.